Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Easter to you. Let's do Pastor Michael sing one more time. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. I'm super excited to be with you today. My name is Mike. I'm one of the two campus pastors here. Uh, if you're a first-time guest, uh, if you're watching at home online, so great to have you here. If you are a longtime member of our church, this is a sport coat. <laughs> I did leave the tags on, and I will be returning it at noon. So, yeah. <laughs> It's so great to have you here for the last week of our series called Don't Miss Moments. So I was thinking the other day, and I decided I kind of feel bad for Easter. They say that Christmas and Easter are the two don't miss moments of the Christian faith. Like, Jesus was born for us, then after dying, Jesus rose from the grave for us. But I was thinking, if you compare the kind of hype and the kind of attention and the kind of focus that we put on Christmas and then on Easter? Don't you feel kind of bad for Easter? (laughs) I mean, I don't know anyone who is surprised when Christmas Day arrives. They've seen it coming. We've been playing the music. Kids have their paper chains, their little lists, the the songs on the radio. Like you, You literally cannot miss Christmas. But in our culture, it's almost possible to miss Easter, isn't it? When's the last time at your job you had like a blowout, we're stopping work at noon to have a huge Easter party? Ever happen? No? Any of you ever buy an ugly Easter sweater to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus? Never happened? You ever get in a fight with one of your closest friends about whether or not you can play Easter music before or after St. Patrick's Day? <laughs> right? No, that, that stuff happens with Christmas and, you know, not everyone worships Jesus on Christmas, but everyone knows that Christmas is coming, but Easter... I mean, you're here, so you didn't totally miss it, but I wonder if, like many people, Easter snuck up on you. I was trying to think the other day, why is it that so many people miss Easter? You know, they don't have gift lists, they're not counting down paper chains. Like, why is it that in our culture, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, that Easter can be so missable? And there might be a lot of answers to that question, but I came up with two if you're taking notes in your program. Uh, Here's the first one. I I think that some of us, maybe some of you here today, miss Easter because, (laughs) no offense, but Easter seems crazy. I'm not trying to diss the Bible or the traditions of the church or my personal beliefs, but when you actually stop, like imagine if you had never heard this before and you came in today and I said, hey, there's this guy named Jesus. He lived about 2,000 years ago and he died, and then he stopped being dead. And some of you would say, um, question? (laughs) You're saying like his memory like rose and it lives in your hearts? Nope, not saying that. You're saying his teachings live on forever because he was so powerful in what he taught? Nope, not saying that. I'm saying my Jesus had no brain waves, no heartbeats, and no pulse for 36 hours And then he did. And some of you would say, oh. (laughs) We don't say that out loud in church, but I wonder if you're one of our guests here today. You know, your your girlfriend might have zero doubts about that and, you know, your parents are super into church. But if you're a person who's really into, like, rational reasons, good logic, solid evidence, I I would not blame you for saying, you know, there, there's a lot of religions, there's a lot of beliefs in the world, there's a lot of claims of miracles. Like, I don't, 
until there's some good reason for this not to seem kind of out there and crazy, I don't know if I can like submit and surrender my entire self to it. It's not that you miss the date on the calendar, it's just hard to kind of believe the message. It makes me think of that classic film, Nacho Libre. Have you seen it? I love that movie so much. So uh, Nacho is this really devout Christian wannabe Mexican wrestler. And uh, his really skinny wrestling partner, Esqueleto, I think his name is, um, he's not into religion at all. And Nacho is very concerned for Esqueleto's salvation. And in one classic scene, he says to him, I've been practicing this, why have you not been baptized? And Escalato says, do you know the line? I believe in science. <laughs> Sorry, it was funnier in my own head. <laughs> it's like, yeah, why, why are you not into baptism? Why are you not into Jesus? Why don't you believe in the Savior that I believe in? And his answer, you know, it's funny, but it's kind of honest. Like, I just don't believe things blindly. I believe in logic. I believe in reason. I believe in science. And I wonder if that's some of you here today. Your coworker invited you, and so you came... Your parents wanted you to be here, so to make them happy, you came. But until there's a really good, like, evidential reason to believe this, you're not going to believe it. Why do you miss Easter? Because it seems kind of crazy. Or, reason number two, maybe that's not you. Maybe like me, you don't think it's crazy. You are a Christian. You do believe that Jesus died and rose, that he is the one and only Son of God. But sometimes Easter can sneak up on us, and here's... I think the reason why, because life is busy. I was thinking the other day, is it just me, but springtime has just become this super, super, super busy season of my year. Does that happen to you too? Like, maybe it's because we've been cooped up for like four months in Wisconsin, or six months. <laughs> I was thinking this morning, if it was this cold on Easter morning, Jesus would have stayed in the tomb for a couple extra hours. Yeah. <laughs> Like when it finally gets warm, it's like, ooh, busyness kicks in. Because what do we got? We got spring cleaning. We got to catch up on the delayed and postponed games of spring sports. You're getting the patio furniture out. You're raking the lawn. Like there's all this stuff to do. And then, and then May hits, the sheer madness of May. And there's confirmations and there's graduations. And there's always those kids who don't want to do their graduation party on the weekend of the graduation. So then you got to travel down to Milwaukee for that weekend too. And then there's Mother's Day. And if you miss Mother's Day, you're dead. Right? God will just open up the earth. She literally, I'm actually speaking to young men in church right now. Like, don't, she pushed you out of her body. Like, get, don't get her a coupon book like you did when you were seven. Get your mother an actual gift, right? So there's holidays, graduations, confirmations, Mother's Day, spring cleaning, spring sports, there's NBA playoffs, there's the first pitch, there's March Madness, and it's like so busy that Easter weekend gets here and you think, oh, wow, it's Easter. And it's not that you don't believe it, it's not that you think it's crazy or that it's nonsense, it's just, well, you haven't prepared your heart for it. And uh, no judgment here, but I wonder how many of you showed up for church today and like how much thought and preparation and study and meditation have you put into the bigness of this day or did it just like sneak up on you? So I'm not sure where you're at personally, if Easter seems crazy or if life seems busy, but here's the, the big thing I'm going to share in today's message. The Bible refuses to miss Easter. If you open this book, the Bible will not let you miss 
this don't miss moment. And actually have the data to prove it. Hey, grab your pen. I, I copied and pasted the big chunks about the birth of Jesus in the Bible from the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of Matthew, and I found out that they totaled up to 633 words, in case you were curious. Then I did the same thing with Easter, which is recorded in the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Mark and the Gospel of John, and then a huge chapter in 1 Corinthians 15, and I found out that in the Bible, Easter is not 633 words. Easter totals up to 3,500 and 75 words. <laughs> in other words, the word of God is saying, oh, you think Christmas is a big deal? Let me tell you about Easter. You think there is good news in the manger in Bethlehem? Let me take you to an empty tomb in Jerusalem. You think there's a reason to, to write a song and to celebrate, to turn on the radio and to sing for a whole month because of the birth of Christ? Let me give you five to six times as many words so you don't miss out on the momentous moment that is Easter. So last night I had the privilege of reading all 3,575 words about Easter. And here's the super fascinating thing. Did you know that within those words, God specifically speaks to those of you who kind of think this is crazy? And it speaks to all the rest of us who've just gotten a bit too busy? No matter where you're at, if you're not a follower of Jesus yet or you are and this day kind of snuck up on you, the Bible today is going to convince your heart, I'm convinced of that, that you should never again for the rest of your life miss the power, the beauty, and the glory of Easter. Now, I wish I had time, if you didn't have brunch plans, <laughs> to read all 3,575 words. I don't, so I'm going to focus in on just 12 verses from the Gospel of Luke because within those 12 little verses in Luke chapter 24, God's going to say something to those of you who think this is crazy and then God's going to speak to those of us who end up a bit too busy. So, if you have a Bible with you or you just want to follow along on the screen, I'm in Luke 24. Let me read the whole chunk of scripture for you. It says this. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? Quote, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Unquote. Then the women remembered Jesus' words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. So let me start with those of you who aren't totally convinced of the Easter story. Did you notice in Luke's words, I, 
I find this personally fascinating that the very first believers, like the dudes we named churches after, like St. Peter's, St. Paul's, and St. John's, those guys thought it was crazy too. Remember verse 11? Here the women come, excited, like, oh, it happened. Jesus is alive, just like he said. And Luke says, the apostles did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. I'm learning Spanish. I was reading my Spanish Bible last night. The word nonsense is tonteria, which means something dumb. <laughs> He's alive! Mary Magdalene said, and Jesus, or Peter, on the other hand, said, well, that's dumb. <laughs> I kind of picture him a mansplaining things to the ladies. Do you know that phrase? When a man speaks condescendingly to a woman. I just picture Peter going like, whoa, 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 ladies. Whoa. You're being a bit emotional. <laughs> I get it. I miss him too. But let's just take a deep breath. Risen. Really? <laughs> now, I don't love Peter's dismissal of these women and the truth that they shared, but I actually kind of love that this is in the Bible. Right? I mean, th this wasn't like, oh, yes, of course. This was so shocking. It was so, like, not... The, th these weren't people who saw a resurrection every single Sunday. So, so supernatural and miraculous, they, they didn't believe it. They, they thought it was crazy. It, it took them for, you read the resurrection accounts and Jesus had to appear multiple times for them to actually believe, oh, this happened. But I love what Peter does. Remember verse 12? Like, Peter doesn't believe it, but there's something, there's something about it that just isn't fitting in his logical brain. And so Luke records, Peter, however, got up and he ran to the tomb. It was nonsense. It, it just seemed stupid and crazy to him. But there was this little pebble in his sandal, this little bit of logic that didn't quite fit in his head. Right? If this was just Mary Magdalene, just you know, one hysterical woman who maybe was dreaming, imagining, hallucinating about things, that, that's one thing. But did you notice all the witnesses that Luke named? There's Mary and Johanna and the other Mary and the other women, plural, who are with them, can, can five separate people all like hallucinate the same thing at the same time? <laughs> and these are the exact same women, if you read the Bible, who were at the tomb where Jesus was buried. So it wasn't like they got the address wrong and just found some random empty tomb. You know, there are all these things about the story that just didn't, didn't fit. So even though Peter didn't entirely believe it just yet, he had enough humility and enough curiosity that he did this. He got up and he personally ran to the tomb. And if you're here today are not a follower of Jesus, I'm hoping and praying that you pull a Peter. Yep, maybe it seems unscientific, maybe it seems illogical, maybe it, it feels to you like there's just some story that people make up. There's a lot of religions, a lot of beliefs, a lot of miracles in holy books. But, but there's something about this that if you look at it closely, it doesn't quite fit the narrative. There's many people who aren't Christians who think, well, the Bible, you know, there was this guy named Jesus and he said a bunch of stuff, but then the years went by and like the story got bigger until he became the son of God and they added all these miracles and, you know, they wrote the story so they could get rich and popular and famous. That's what people think. But that doesn't quite fit this, does it? <laughs> I mean, Luke wrote this account in the very century when it happened. 
we're talking maybe 30 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus, there were eyewitnesses still living. So how do you, how do you explain that? And if Luke was writing all this, kind of, you know, collaborating with Peter and James and John just so they could get rich and famous, the question is, why do they look so dumb all the time? <laughs> if I'm writing a book to get you to follow me, am I going to put in like my biggest flaws where I'm totally clueless and don't get it? Like if, if this was a man-made story, why is that in there? And how about this? Did you know in the first century, uh, Jewish men were so sexist that they didn't think a woman was qualified to testify in a court of law. They, they dismissed the evidence as nonsense. So in that culture, if Luke is making up this story, why in the world would he make the prime witnesses of the most important day of the story women? Not a smart move for a doctor. <laughs> And if you don't have logical answers to those questions, can I just encourage you, would you have enough curiosity and enough humility to pull a Peter and check it out for yourself? Like if you've never researched these reasons why thinking, educated, intellectual people who get the arguments are still convinced that this actually happened. It wasn't normal. It was supernatural. It was a miracle. But it actually, historically, in history happened. Would you be willing to investigate if so, I hope you grab one of these on the way out. Pastor Michael mentioned this little book, which is going to give you the basics on why we have faith in Jesus who connects us to God. But inside, I put together this little sheet, and essentially what it is are what I think are the top eight logical, reasonable reasons to believe that Easter happened. Like the Old Testament predicted it. The non-Jewish culture scorned it. The Jewish culture was surprised by it. The apostles relied on it. The earliest Christians confessed that the women witnesses witnessed it. The witnesses died for it. The enemies were converted by it. And, and just one sheet of paper, I want to convince you this is worth exploring for yourself. If you're taking notes, I'd put it this way. In Luke's account, he's telling us this, don't miss Easter's evidence. You are no fool if you follow Jesus. You don't have to choose between a scientific thinking mind and total faith that Jesus left the tomb empty. You don't have to choose. Don't miss the evidence of Easter. But what about the rest of you? Now, maybe there's a couple dozen of you here today who don't believe in Jesus, but I have a hunch that many of you, maybe most of you do, so if you're like me, what, what is Luke saying to us? I'll grab your pen right away because I think this is his point to us today. Uh, he's saying not just don't miss Easter's evidence, he's also saying this, don't miss Easter's life. And maybe you should write that with a capital L, life. When I say capital L life, I'm talking about the life, the good life. Uh, it's what Jesus called in John 10, an abundant life. It's what the early Christians labeled, quote, the life that is truly life. Here's what that life looks like. When you wake up in the morning and when you stop and think, you instantly have joy. That's life. 
When you get to the end of the day and with all the ups and downs, the things you're proud of, the things you wish you could redo, like you're not tossing and turning, worrying about tomorrow or living with regrets and guilt and shame from the past day, when you can actually have peace and fall asleep with a clean conscience, that's life. And in between that joyful moment when you wake up and that peaceful moment when you fall asleep, when everything in between is filled with purpose, like it doesn't matter where you work, doesn't matter how much you make, doesn't matter how many TikTok followers you have, how many for what, what you see when you look in the mirror, like you matter, what you do matters. I'm talking purpose, I'm talking peace, I'm talking joy. That's life. And Luke doesn't want you to miss it. Because I, I think he knows that lots of us do. If you'd asked me, what is one of the most tragic things about the human story, my answer would be this that most of us get tricked into looking for life in places that don't last long. It's not that we're all out robbing banks at gunpoint and sinning left and right. Sometimes we just get so distracted, so busy thinking, this thing is going to give me life, that we miss out on the actual place to find life that truly lasts. And I say that from experience. The other day, uh, on my computer, I stumbled across this. It was a document on my computer called Life Goals by Mike Novotny, written May 6th, 2008. 14 years ago, I sat down and in seven separate categories, apparently came up with 71 things that I wanted to do before I died. All right, this is my bucket list. I thought, if I can do this, it will be a great life. This included things like write a book, check, learn how to moonwalk, check. <laughs> oh, how about this doozy? Beat rock band on expert drums. Hmm, almost. Dunk a basketball with two hands. Does a tennis ball count? With one hand? <laughs> or how about this one? <laughs> this cracks me up. See Billy Joel in concert. <laughs> I thought, did I even like Billy Joel? I don't remember that stage of my life. All 71 different things and you know, I'm reading this list and it's cracking me up and, and then I was thinking about it. <laughs> it's not just the fact that some of the, the goals were kind of odd 14 years ago. What really struck me is I started checking off all the things that I've done on this list. And then I asked myself, did any of those things give me joy and peace and purpose today? Yeah, pretty cool, going on the trips, writing books, having experiences. But, but, but do you think, it, like when I wake up in the morning, do you think that I think back on any of that stuff and say, yes, what a life. When I'm struggling trying to raise two teenage daughters or when I say something that I really regret and I'm thinking about it in my bed at the end of the day, do you think I, I just pause and say, but Mike, don't be afraid. You know how to moonwalk. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, so what I'm trying to say, like, so many of us when we sit down and think, like, what's going to give me a good life? We choose these things, these experiences, these goals. They're not bad. They're not wrong. It's not that we can't do them. It's just that sometimes we get so busy with that that we miss out on this, the place to really find life. 
The Bible would say we go searching for this water that can't satisfy our soul. We turn to bread that can't satisfy the human heart. We have this hunger within us for God, but sometimes we miss him because we're so busy with, with this stuff. That happened to any of you this Easter? Um, parents, if you spent more time on an Easter basket than telling your kids about the Easter gospel, you missed it. If any of you can quote lines from Nacho Libre or The Office or your favorite series, if you've seen every minute of every episode of every season of Yellowstone or The Crown, but you haven't read the 3,500 words about the resurrection of Jesus, which would take you 12 minutes, by the way, you missed it. If this spring, you by the clock spent more time preparing your yard for guests than preparing your heart for Easter, uh, you missed it. If on the one week of the year that we literally set apart special services and extra time to remember the things that will matter forever, the death and resurrection of Jesus, if, if, if during that time we did more planning and preparing and cooking instead of fasting and praying and worshiping, we missed it. And I have a hunch based on the decibels in this room that it happened to you too. It's not that we try to. It's not that we say, no, Jesus matters so little to us. It's just that we get so distracted by all, all these things on our list that we think will give us life that we sometimes miss the best place where life is found. And that's why I want you to listen once again to the words that the angel spoke. Remember verses 5 and 6? The angel said to the women, Why do you look for the living among the dead? You're looking for life? Why are you here in this empty tomb? Jesus is not here. Jesus is risen. I want to tell you today, the things of this world, they feel good for a moment. They're satisfying for a season. But there is only one thing that can fill you up in here. And his name is Jesus. If you are looking for life, it is not in an empty tomb And it is not in the temporary empty things of this world. It can only be found in Jesus who said that he is the way, the truth, and do you know the verse? The life. In Jesus is where we find life. How do we wake up in the morning and feel excited about the day? Because Jesus is alive. Because we have a God who loves us so much, he said, I will be your good shepherd. And wherever you wander today, however high the hill, however dark the valley, I'm going to be there with you through it. My goodness and mercy will pursue you every, how can you not feel good with the fact that God is going to guide you through the day? Jesus. And you get to the end of the day and you mess up and you wish you could take back those words and why did you say that? Why did you do that? Why did you go there? But if you have a Jesus with you who died on the cross for every one of your sins and then he rose from the grave miraculously to prove that it's true, How do you have a clean conscience when you're a very flawed human being? Jesus. 
And how in the middle of that peace and and that joy do you live with purpose? It's because you've been listening to Jesus. And Jesus didn't say, blessed are the rich, blessed are the beautiful, and blessed are the famous. No, he said, if you, if you give a cup of water to a little kid because you love me, angels see that. You will not lose your reward in heaven. The boss doesn't have to clap. Your school doesn't have to be impressed. If there's anything that you do, if, if you obey your parents the first time they say something to you, if you let a little dig in marriage pass by with forgiveness, anything you do has immense purpose because Jesus is alive enough to see it. How do you and I get life, peace in the morning and at night, joy from beginning to end, and purpose that doesn't fade? My one word answer is Jesus. Because Jesus is not a bunch of bones in a Jewish tomb. And Jesus is not some old teachings in an old book. No, Jesus is a living Savior. He can offer you something that your favorite movie and the latest season of whatever show cannot offer. He can offer you something your favorite team winning the championship or your favorite meme cracking you up cannot offer. Jesus can offer you life that never ends. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So my friends, if you want life, fix your eyes on Jesus. Wake up in the morning and think about who Jesus is and where Jesus is. Not in a tomb, but right in the room with everyone who believes in him. That's why I hope you uh, Christians can grab this book too. We got a copy for all of you. You can skim the other parts if you want, but if you've been missing this kind of life, I just want you to read this first part about God. He's bigger and better and more life-giving than you might think. So, whether it all sounds crazy, whether you've been kind of busy, don't miss Easter. The woman who was sitting right there didn't. Seven months ago here at our church, we had a funeral uh, for uh, a dear brother in Christ named Dave. Uh, Dave's widow said I could share this story with you. He had found his life in Jesus. He had conquered death because of Jesus. So we gathered, I think I have a picture of Pastor Michael preaching at that service. We, we gathered his children, his grandchildren, his family, our church family, all here. Pastor Michael preached with uh, amazing passion. As you can look at that, that's passion right there. Thank you, Pastor Michael. And he's a, good, he's a good pastor because he talked a little bit about Dave and his life and he talked a lot, a lot, a lot about Jesus and eternal life. But honestly, what I remember is not every point of the sermon I remember Dave's daughter. During that funeral service, we were singing some of Dave's favorite Christian songs and one of them was a song that some of you know called In Christ Alone. And we were singing, we were praising, we were remembering Dave, remembering Jesus. But we got to that third verse, the the one about Easter, about how Jesus' body was laid in the tomb and then he, he burst forth in glorious life and there's no fear and no guilt and Dave's daughter spontaneously stood up Like, by herself, there was so much life in those lyrics that she stood to her feet and started to worship God. And and people looked. (laughs) There's not a lot of spontaneous acts of emotion here in our church. So she got up, then someone in the back stood up. 
And when the guy in the back stood up, a couple over here stood up. And when that couple stood up, I was in the back and then I stood up and boom, 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 boom. People started standing up and worshiping God because we realized in those words was the truth of who Jesus was. That in Jesus, there is life. Would we be afraid of death? (laughs) We have life. Would we go through these short days of ours with guilt and regret in our hearts? No, we we have life. She reminded me in that beautiful moment, don't miss Jesus. Because if you get Jesus, you get Easter. And if you get Easter, you get life. Let's pray. Oh, God, thank you so much for your promises. Um, Thank you so much for grace that whoever believes in this simple message, no matter who we are, what, what we used to think, what we've done, what we're doing right now, we can come to you and repent and in the name of Jesus be saved. Eternal life, Heavenly Father, isn't just for a select few. You offer it to the whole world that whoever would trust in Jesus today would be saved. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for this no-strings-attached grace. Um, it's just not how our life works. Uh, to make the team, we've got to work harder. To get the promotion, we have to be better. Uh, to get the attention and the approval of a significant other, we, we just can't rest. So your grace is so different. You just give it. And that's why we love it. So we thank you so much for this Easter season. And I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that we would not forget it. Whether we read the basics as soon as church is done or we open our Bibles to Matthew 28 or Mark 16 or Luke 24 or John 20 and 21 or 1 Corinthians 15, God, help us to absorb every single word so we don't miss the glory and the power and the grace that you have put inside that empty tomb. Heavenly Father, I pray especially for the joy of the people here today. Uh, Our lives are complicated. They're sometimes good, sometimes messy. They never go according to plan. But if Jesus is alive, not dead and buried, but alive in our hearts and in the room, then we don't have to be afraid. And we can rejoice in this day that you have made because you didn't just make it, you're right in the middle of it. Thank you, God, for the Easter gospel. We pray all this with joyful hearts because we pray today in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.